This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational cannabis across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. So welcome to episode, I believe, 18 of the show. And I think, I don't know, did we ever think we'd get to 18? I think we, we did, I guess. And, you know, we're that much closer to legalization, October 17th, 2018. There's a little serendipity for us, I guess. Uh, today's guest is Derek Reedley. And Derek, in 1998, founded a, uh, founded a place called Revolution Strategy, which he grew into an award-winning strategic communications agency. He, at the time, created the Real Houses of a television show, which is a, a lot like, um, well, it's a television series about the show showcasing some of the most interesting homes in North America and those people who built and created those. And then in 2015, he launched Civilized, a premium multi-platform digital media and lifestyle brand that embraces and highlights cannabis culture, reflecting on the millions of adults who choose to enjoy cannabis as part of a balanced lifestyle. And no surprise, this is why we're talking to Derek today. His official title is CEO and publisher. I have a feeling we could call you many more things than that. But Derek, first of all, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, of course. Thank you, Sean. I, by the way, that intro was great. I, <laughs> I, I, I was taking notes. Oh, yeah? Good, good. <laughs> now you know what you're all about. <laughs> I know what I'm all about. Yeah. So... Derek, obviously, I I was attracted to uh, talking to you because of what you've been doing now with Civilized Magazine, or I I keep calling it a magazine, and I don't think that that's right. But I've looked at the site. I've I've been I've been taking in some of the content that you're producing, and why don't you start by just describing from your perspective what Civilized is, and we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, and, and, and first, thanks, Sean. It's, 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 it's really great to be on here. I love what, uh, you're doing. I love the conversations that you're, you're hosting. And it's, it's those, it, 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 it's these types of conversations that were actually, you know, uh, a part of why civilized all came about. Um, right. my wife and I'd been living in, in Southern California and, uh, we'd been there for just, just under uh, a year in uh, the winter of 2015. <laughs> and, and we were sort of constantly talking about how cannabis culture had evolved in uh, California at, at, a, uh, uh, at a different pace. And it, it, it was certainly much more broad and uh, accessible and much more uh, developed. California was uh, the first uh, state, uh, in fact, the first region in North America uh, to uh, have a medical uh, marijuana uh, system, and it quickly sort of evolved into something that was a mask for a pretty robust uh, rec right. uh, system, uh, and the culture had just ev evolved on that basis. So, you know, uh, fast forward to uh, January 24th, 2015, it was uh, Terry's birthday, and it was uh, um, uh, the, our last day as executive producers on uh, that season of The Real Houses Of. Right. So we rode for dinner in Venice, California uh, at a nice restaurant. And, you know, everybody in the restaurant's enjoying beer, wine, and spirits. My wife's having a nice glass of wine. And I found myself behind the restaurant, beside a dumpster, with a vape <laughs> pen going, 
this this is stupid. Right. Like this is what I believe is is the least harmful thing personally and to society of anyone of anything that's going on in that in that restaurant. And here I am out here hiding my uh, use. We've got to we've really got to adjust the culture to. Uh, 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 to embrace this mm-hmm. rather than to hide it. So that, that, that that's when the idea started, and and you know it's been a it's been a bit, bit of a ride since then. So how would you? Uh, we'll come back to it because I'm 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 actually interested in digging in on the whole like the need to leave the restaurant because of course there could be many reasons why you would have to do that. But uh, how would mm-hmm. you describe what civilized is for anyone who might not be familiar with it? Sure. Uh, well, Civilized is a uh, uh, is a media company, uh, and look, we we are our, our, our whole. You, you've described our our whole home base. We're there for a new breed of cannabis consumer that really nobody has ever uh, embraced and wrapped their arms around it. So you could almost consider it uh, cannabis for adults. Uh, but what it is and how people access Civilized, you know, we have a, a website that you you'll find at uh, uh, Civilized Life. Uh, we have two and a half million readers every month from across North America. And what they're coming for is a more adult conversation about cannabis and the people that enjoy cannabis. And uh, in fact, we, 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 we say that Civilized isn't about cannabis. It's, it's about the people who enjoy cannabis and the other things they enjoy in their lives. And what you'll see immediately when you get there is uh, a, a markedly different tone and uh, uh, brand offering than, than you normally see with cannabis companies. We're, you know, we're certainly not stoners, we, and, and we don't have any problem with that part of the culture. But that, because that's been the only part of the culture that has been highlighted in media for generations, mm-hmm. people interpret that as the entirety of cannabis culture. And we're here to say that uh, uh, there are uh, uh, millions and millions of uh, motivated, productive people who choose to enjoy cannabis, but but don't define themselves by it. And a lot of them, a lot of them are in the cannabis closet. Uh, uh, and, and they're not self-identifying, but when the entirety of cannabis culture really starts to become understood, it's going to look vastly different than is that stoner angle. Yeah. So you, I mean, you having to stand out by a dumpster, uh, was the catalyst for the need to shift, I guess, the stigma. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, certainly. And, and, and the way I like to describe it is, you know, civilized is certainly about cannabis, but you know, the underpinnings of it are about the pursuit of an authentic life. And yeah. uh, I just think it's, it's, it's terrible when people have to hide behavior or, 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 or something that they're, they're, they're doing from, you know, coworkers or family or, or, or friends. And cannabis was sort of the last mask that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that the last thing that I had to hide in my life. And I, you know, <laughs> so I, I wanted other people to feel that freedom. So no more secrets from Derek. No, well, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't get it. different, we different show minutes. yeah <laughs> different show so i mean this is intriguing to me yeah. i mean you've um obviously you felt like you were hiding uh your use for however long um and at, at what point did you decide you know maybe it's okay now maybe i can i'm just going to get on with this i'm going to start talking about it i'm going to start uh you know being okay with it and see how that goes well, that was, you know, I would say it was a gradual uh, epiphany that sort of came to a point uh, uh, that day when we began to, to, to start publishing because, what, you know, when we, when we thought about starting Civilized, because I realized that through that process, that was my outing. That's how I 
firmly came out of the cannabis closet right. to everybody in, in, in my life. And, and, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, know, I'm not an everyday guy. Yeah. I'm a guy who, you know, did a lot of field trials in college and then sort of left it behind when I went into the work world, my mid thirties, I wound up, you know, being a, a, a young, you know, well, you know, a married father with a couple of young kids and you know, I'm a maritimer. So I, I don't know about you, but Friday night used to be a challenge to try and drink 12 beer. Like that was the <laughs> thing. You had to get a case of beer on Friday and Saturday night. Right. And when I got, got into my thirties, it just got to be a little too difficult. So, you know, I, I do like to laugh and enjoy and relax and, and alcohol feels part of that for lots of people, including mm-hmm. me for, for, for decades. Right. But cannabis became a more friendly and easier uh, way for me to do that. And, and plus it didn't come with the, the, you know, the empty calories, the sugar and what had become three day hangovers by the time I was in my mid thirties. So I, I, I made the the switch to, uh, cannabis and I knew lots of people who had, and I knew lots of people who were, whether they were politicians or bureaucrats, CEOs, middle managers, Mm -hmm. uh, educators, ad guys, people from all walks of, of life who cho- chose to enjoy cannabis um, uh, 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 and they weren't stoners. And then, you know, they, they, there was a different picture of the culture. So yeah. that's what, that's, that's where it all sort of came to, came to bear, uh, came to a head uh, for us. And in, through that process, I had to call all of our clients at revolution. I, you know, I had to have frank conversations with, one or two fam- family members, but, but it's not like I was hiding my use with them, but it was more with clients and, and uh, uh, people I knew around the community. And I, you know, I had either one-on-one conversations or just the process of us, uh, you know, developing civilized, it became uh, pretty uh, clear. And, you know, everybody, everybody, what we, what we suspected is, is true. And that, you know, for the majority, the vast majority of people, nobody has ish- any issue yeah. uh, with us whatsoever. <laughs> So it's interesting. You obviously felt the need to have conversations with your clients. And you were, I assume we're talking about clients of the agency, right? Revolution Strategy? Correct, yeah. So you felt the need to have conversations with those clients. So were you nervous at all that some would be, I don't know how we feel about this. Like I, I would imagine you you must have been a little nervous about the reaction. Yeah, I was freaking out about a couple of them, to be honest. <laughs> um uh, because, uh, you know, clients are, uh, important in service business. Sure, There's yeah. no business, uh, uh, with, without it. And I, the reason I w- was so insistent on having the conversations with myself, uh, myself was because I wanted them to hear it directly from me. And I wanted to make sure they understood and that they knew what I was doing. And they also knew what I wasn't doing. So, right. you know, this, this isn't us, um, uh, uh, going into the cannabis business. This wasn't us starting a stoner type of, uh, publication. This was us uh, espousing views and trying to cast a light on something that, uh, that we thought deserved a little bit more, uh, sunlight and, across the board, everybody, uh, understood, stood it, including the clients that I was most worried about. They, they, they leaned back in, patted me on the back and, and, and saw, uh, uh, saw the reasons why we were doing what we were doing. Wow. I mean, I can, I can relate. <clears throat> I mean, even, even doing this show, one of the considerations that I had was probably similar, uh, the, just the idea that people that I work with and what right. they might think, but, um, I don't know if you found this, but I, I've certainly found nothing, nothing but encouragement. Um, for giving people a forum to have a conversation and ask questions. Um, because I think right now, more than any other time, 
that seems to be what we need to do, you know? Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, um, what I have found out was that, you know, there, there are one or two people who, uh, weren't clients or close friends, but you know, they're around in the community and, and they, they've had a, a bit of a negative reaction to it, but that's based in, 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 uh, misinformation and, and very deep personal experiences mm. with family members through cannabis. And I know there's, there's somebody in the community whose nephew uh, had a real tough time with cannabis in uh, uh, in, in high school, yeah. uh, and has 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 struggled with addiction. And because of that, you know, this person fundamentally does not support what we're uh, doing. Yeah. I think that's uh, somewhat. I, I can understand that reaction, but I also think it's misguided. And I think you know the regulated uh, system is going to help with access to yeah. uh, help uh, diminish access to uh, young people. Uh, and, and it's also brought these conversations out into the, the light. Like there are tons of people who are um, uh, addicted to, to, to alcohol and I don't see anybody talking about banning alcohol. Yeah, so right. yeah. it, it was, it's, you know, I, I guess there's a broad spectrum of stuff out there, but you know, other than a few people that have had some misguided reactions to it, the, the vast majority of people, everybody's really just been really, really excited about it. So you spend a lot of your time, at least from what I can tell <clears throat> in the conversations that we've had and the videos on your site, which I'll talk to again in a minute, but you spend a lot of time talking to large audiences about this issue. And, uh, and yeah. it's almost yeah, like yeah. you've become this, uh, you become this advocate for, for why it's good. But how have you managed to handle those that do disagree? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess the one question could be, have you m dealt with many uh, that disagree, but has anyone ever stood up at one of these sessions and been like, I, I don't know, I think you're full of shit? Um, uh, not, you know, for the most part, uh, people really, really understand uh, things. There have been once or twice, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I was on a panel at an event called uh, Politicon, uh, which is really the Comic-Con of uh, politic and, political and news culture. Right. Uh, uh, it, it's, an, it's a live event they hold in Los Angeles every year, and there was a guy on one of the panels who was a staunch uh, uh, Republican and prohibitionist. And look, the thing is, you know, as long as you can avoid their talking points and their traps, <laughs> the logic prevails on cannabis. Right. You know, because, you know, there are arguments that they throw at you left, right, and center. Usually you can diffuse them with, well, why aren't you banning alcohol? Because it's the same sort of thing. And in right. fact, it's, it's, it's much worse. So, you know, just staying calm, looking at the facts and uh, presenting a measured argument, it, it usually works. Now, did I convert that guy? No, but he was inconvertible. Right, right. Now, that's an interesting thought, though. Like, do you feel that it, it's a bit of your MO to convert people? Uh, no. Not, maybe convert <laughs> is the wrong word. Um, yeah, I jumped all you, over. You know, I certainly try to... Yeah, no, but I certainly try to open their eyes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, polite man, in a polite manner, I do try to, to uh, uh, get them to understand that they're, 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 this is about perspective. I'll, I'll tell you a great story. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm somebody who's pretty, uh, uh, you know, my views on cannabis are, are pretty well on record, but there's still some uncharted territory for me. So a month ago, I am in uh, Toronto and I'm moderating a panel of cannabis executives uh, talking about cannabis and parenting. And one of the mm. women on the panel 
started discussing with me the fact that 12 years ago, she was pregnant with triplets and she used cannabis to medicate while she was pregnant with these kids, while these kids were in utero. And immediately my brain goes to, oh, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a little freaked out by that. But then she starts to tell me that it was because she had chronic pain issues. She was uh, put on bed rest and prescribed opioids. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, so, so then it became a, a matter of saying, okay, what is least harmful for me and my babies at that point? And she yeah. chose cannabis over opioids. So I go, oh, okay. Well, with that perspective, now I understand. And a lot of the perspective around, uh, particularly recreational cannabis, you know, can be can be broadened out just by adding in what's going on with uh, with alcohol. The fact that you know, when you mm. look at that that the impact alcohol has on society, whether it is uh, 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 you know the, just the spousal abuse, whether it is uh, addiction, whether you know uh, whether it is impaired driving, it has a far worse impact than uh, cannabis and nobody's talking about prohibiting it. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I I brought this up before, but when we first started doing this, I was doing all kinds of um, research, I guess, in terms of what we're going through and witnessing as a country. And I went back to prohibition with alcohol and um, and learned all kinds of good things about why that was even put in place and the domestic abuse and the violence and, and people lying around the streets drunk and the society just went, wait, this isn't okay. I mean, we should do something about this. Right. Um, and, you know, you don't see that happening, at least not to that degree um, with with cannabis. Yet, it's still it's still you know placed in this box of evil and and all of that for for all the reasons that uh, we've been talking about. You I mean, and part of it part of that was when when alcohol pro- prohibition ceased, they needed a new enemy, so it became mm-hmm. cannabis. So it was about keeping jobs. So it's yeah. It's a long and sordid story. Do you know what I learned uh, about alcohol in the process too? And this will all sound very familiar when I say it, that even though there was alcohol prohibition, you could still be prescribed alcohol for medical reasons. And that when it was allowed, yeah. And when it was allowed, when you were allowed to get it again, it was sold behind the counters of stores. So you'd have to ask for what you wanted and they'd have to go back and get it. So... What does that all sound can, like? Can you imagine the, the can you imagine the prescriptions for alcohol they would have got on the East Coast here? I mean, they just would have been that would have been full time. Yeah, I would have been at the yeah. pharmacist every day. Yeah, I also learned that's where boot, bootlegging came from. Right, was that people would have alcohol in their in their boot, and you could for a quarter or whatever the amount of money was, you could ask to get a swig of that uh, that alcohol during prohibition. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities, I guess, uh, maybe less of the destruction, but I guess that remains to be seen. You um. You made a comment. I had no idea. Yeah, you made a comment earlier about uh, about something I, I haven't stopped thinking about since you said it, and it was this idea that you stopped using when you started working professionally. And uh, yeah, what I'm curious about there is what what the motivation was to to stop. Was that like was that a well you know? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, we've got the cell phone connection, so I'm step on your words a little That's bit. Okay, I apologize no for that, but. Uh, Look, I guess it was it was part of part of it was just the times. I mean, yeah. I finished university in 1994. 
Uh, and you know, nobody was talking about recreational cannabis then nobody was talking about medical cannabis, uh, uh, then this was two years before California even had their, uh, rec market, which kind of shocked the world. And it was a California lefty lefty, uh, thing. So, you know, the work world, uh, then, and I, I'm going to say the work world now still for the most part, it's a real drinking culture. Like, it's like, you know, like you want to go for a drink after work, you yeah. want to grab a beer at lunch. Like it's, it's a very social drinking culture. And there's just, to me, there was no place for uh, cannabis. And it was also something that I kind of can find in my mind. It's something you did while you were young and, and stupid and in uh, university. That's how I had it positioned in, in, in my head. Yeah. So it wasn't a conscious decision to leave it behind. It just sort of happened. You know, if I was at a party, you know, once or twice a year and somebody uh, 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 hauled out a joint, I was there. But it's just, I I went decade, you know, almost a decade without even thinking about uh, uh, having any myself and then, uh, you know, on hand. And then it was in my mid thirties when these kids were young, my kids were young. Yeah. And it was a fellow father friend of mine who said, look, if you're having a tough time with hangovers, he said, why don't you start? He, he said it very plainly. He said, why don't you start, start smoking a little bit more weed? Yeah. And I remember it just, it was like an epiphany. It was like, huh, yeah. why don't I? First thing I had to get over was sort of stigma. And, mm-hmm. you know, our Friday and Saturday nights were with friends and coworkers and it was a nice social time. And so you started socializing it there and, you know, and it just kind of went from there. And yeah. now alcohol is something that I might, touch a cup, you know, I'll have a glass of wine with dinner, uh, uh, once a month, maybe I might have a few too many drinks with, uh, when I'm celebrating something once or twice a year, but cannabis is my, uh, is my sort of Friday night, Saturday night thing now. And, uh, I think I'm better for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, um, I, I never would have believed that statement because you're not the first person who's made it. Uh, the idea that you're better for it. I've heard it from a few folks, particularly, oddly enough, pro athletes who 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 have used it in various ways, and that was very surprising to me. But this idea of it becoming a, um, you know, a part of a lifestyle regimen that that you know fits in with all kinds of other things that you might do to uh, to enhance your life, yeah. and 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 I'm hearing more and more people talk about this idea of of not using it to get away from something, but using it to enhance what you're already doing, you know, to hand, enhance your lifestyle. It's not an opinion that I had even when we started this. So that's been kind of an interesting. I, I, I get that. Go ahead. A hundred percent. Now, are you, are you, are you, are you an exercise guy? You look like you're in shape. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. Do you ever, do you ever did, have you ever uh, enjoyed cannabis and then worked out? No, I, I tell you what, this is a funny story. I've never done that, but I have, <laughs> I have tried it and then played hockey, and um, that's a mistake. Yeah, that's not good. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've done that. No, but uh, yeah, I, that, yeah, you just lose a step when you're playing hockey. Yeah, I just but, don't know what's uh, going on. It's I, not good. I like to walk. I like to I, I, I like to run, and I like to go to the gym and and, and lift weights from time to time yeah. and do resistance training. And I love uh, uh, vaping before I do. Really? Like, it's a more effective workout. It's a more focused workout. uh, And then the the recovery is better, too. So it's it's really interesting. It's never anything I ever would have uh, thought about. 
but I'd heard of a few athletes trying it. So I did yeah. try it and there's something to it. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, I've heard that from athletes as well. People who say that their, their workouts get way more intense and focused and I've not, uh, I, I can't vouch for that one, but <laughs> I keep hearing about it. So who knows? So, yeah, but I know what you mean on the hockey too. Like not the right sport. No, no there's, <laughs> there's too much going on. There's too much. To, it's just dangerous. It's not good. Um, so I, I'm talking about, uh, the learning associated with this. And, you know, as I said, from the very beginning of, of doing this, I, it's incredible how much I've learned just from talking to different people, of course, both the good side and the bad sides and all the things that need to be considered in between. What about you though? So it, it, it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're, uh, self-educated in the sense that you just spend a lot of time learning and thinking about this. But I have to believe that in, in yeah. spending so much time in this space and, and talking to people all over the place about this, that you're, you're also taking away things. So what are some of the big learnings that you've uh, came ac come across in your, in your travels? Uh, 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 I tell you, that I am I, very, very fortunate to uh, work with a solid editorial team, which makes me uh, uh, better. Um, uh, I am, uh, very fortunate to travel and go to, uh, events and conferences and speak and dialogue and sit on panels, uh, which makes me, uh, better. Um, and we also, uh, conduct our own first person, uh, research. We commission a pretty extensive poll of, uh, cannabis, uh, consumers and non-consumers, Right across North America every uh, spring, we use PSB Research out of uh, Washington. They're, they're a Burson Marsteller uh, company, and we've partnered with them for the last three years. Mm. The thing that has really rocked me uh, and, and changed the way uh, we talk as a company and uh, how we communicate is um, uh, the fact that when you, when you talk to North Americans who consume cannabis, they will tell you uh, uh, it, it makes uh, certain things in their life better. They, um, uh, 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 you know, they're, they're a little bit more calm. Uh, they can work a little, a little bit better. Their uh, sex is better. Uh, they like to, they're more social. Uh, if you ask non-consumers any of those things, they fundamentally don't believe it. Yeah. You know, there is this perception with, not, with people who don't enjoy cannabis that is going to make you catatonic and just sort of spaced out. Yeah. And that is actually not what cannabis is when it's, when it's used well. Right. Like, sure, if you are trying cannabis for the first few times and you put too much of it in, yeah. you're probably not going to have a to totally positive experience. Right. But if you, like you're just starting to drink, take a few sips with your dosage up and up, it can, it, it can literally make almost anything you're doing uh, uh, better. So there's a fundamental misunderstanding between those who do enjoy cannabis and those who don't, and those who don't uh, just can't get their heads around why you would ever even do it or how you could even manage your life. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so bridging that divide is something that, that I'm trying to, to, to do a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit with you on this one. So one of the things I've said to a lot of people is that it seems that depending on which side of the fence you're on, meaning, you know, for or against what's about to happen, you tend to lean on the information yep. that supports that belief. So, so my theory is that nobody really knows. 
so that, you know, if you talk to a doctor, they'll tell you there's no scientific quote unquote evidence in the way that they need evidence to make certain claims. But there's all this anecdotal stuff one way or the other. And, you know, I can get in an argument with someone about it, oh, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible. And they can they can show me all the information that tells that it's horrible. And then I can look at someone who's for it and they'll right. show me all the information that makes it sound like it's amazing. And and so I I just think it's confusing for people, you know, to what what am I supposed to believe in this new world? And, and you know, again, it depends on what you read. It sounds like you're getting some of the same same uh, information. Yeah, and, and people are certainly at echo chambers with, with, with their beliefs, whether it's talking about cannabis or whether it's talking about left and right politics in Canada and the United States. Yeah. We, you know, we're, we're, we're become, you know our, our social feeds are becoming echo chambers. So it's a matter of busting out uh, uh, of those. And you know, we work hard to make sure that the information we're, we're putting out there is not just slanted in terms of you know, uh, uh, our opinion, that it's, that it's actually accurate uh, information, whether we believe in it or, uh, uh, not like we're not, we're not just about our point of view. We're about accurate points of view right. in, uh, cannabis. Um, you know, so we, you know, we're also trying to bust down the, the thing with cannabis is that every, most people have had some interaction with it. Like whether you've tried it or not, you've been to a party and you've seen somebody who's had too much and has yeah. passed out or, or has been paranoid, you know, they're not going to die. They're just going to sleep it off. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, perhaps not a great experience. Or many people have tried it themselves when they were younger and they didn't have a great experience. My position with these people is that they were likely doing it wrong. I mean, right. the great thing about cannabis now, uh, as opposed to what it used to be. Well, here's what, here's what it used to be for, for me. Yeah. I grew up in St. John, New Brunswick when I was in high school or when I started uh, uh, enjoying cannabis again in my thirties, uh, 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 about 10 years ago, I got whatever came through the car window sure. from my guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, and the answer was always the same. You know, what is it? It's the good stuff. Yeah. Well, right. Jesus, you know, what do you mean the good stuff? Yeah. Now I walk into a dispensary in California and the first question from a bud tender is what are you doing here? why are you, why do you want this cannabis? Yeah. Are you having problems with sleep? Are you having problems with anxiety? Do you just want to go out to a rave with your friends? Are you going out to a movie? They are literally about outcomes now. And there are so many different strains that produce different outcomes. And, and, and so these, these people are now curating outcomes and experiences for you as opposed to you just taking a, yeah. a, 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 a flyer on whatever came through the car door. Yeah. Could have been an indica, which put me to sleep. Could have been a very strong sativa, which would really fire my brain up. Like yeah. if you're not ready for these things and you don't know, it's it, it, you, you know you're shooting in the dark. And, and that's the one thing I love about cannabis and cannabis culture, as it's evolved in the in the last couple of decades. It's getting so smart, and it's getting so custom and tailored in terms of outcomes, in terms of what you want to put into your body. Yeah. You know, do you want to roll up and smoke a joint? I don't. I'm not, I'm, I'm almost post, uh, combustion. And in fact, that's where I think the, the industry is going. Yeah. They're now yeah. vapes and edibles and pills and topicals. And there's just so many other ways to do it. So it really is evolving rapidly and, and there are becoming solutions that people really shouldn't be afraid of. Uh, and if they want to try, uh, uh, responsibly, 
there are different ways for them to do it now. Yeah, I've used the analogy of wine in the past where we talk about, you know, you can choose a wine based on your outcome, what you're what you're eating with it. You know, you can you can actually choose it all that way. And it surprises a lot of people, at least again, the ones that I've spoken to who who learn that you can do the same thing with cannabis. I mean, I think for a lot of people who yeah. are exposed to the industry, uh, they just, same thing, they just think it's you get what you get and that's what you've got and go for it. Where, um, and even, you know, yep. even for me in the last couple of years is, is I've, I've started to realize how intentional that use can be both in terms of what you're using and how you choose to use it because the impacts or the effects of that are all completely different. So that's, uh, you know, Absolutely. it's funny too, you're seeing the stores now. I, I, I've, I've been able to see some of the stores out East here and, you know, they're categorizing the, st- the product m- led mostly by the fact that they're not allowed to say much about it, but they're still saying what the outcome is going to be. So relax, yeah. um, looking to, you know, be motivated or whatever, whatever that, that outcome is. And you, you right. pick based on that choice of outcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that, that it's not like booze where, you know, beer is beer. Beer is going to make you feel sort of one way. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is a, an entirely different spectrum. Yeah. Derek, y- you had a video on your site that I thought was interesting. I was watching it a little bit yesterday. It was from the, with the president of Mexico. And you were, you were chatting with yeah, him yeah, about yeah. why, why, if I get this wrong, just correct me, but why Mexico was hosting a cannabis expo there. And, and he made an interesting comment in, in that, uh, in that little video. And he said, they're moving from a crime industry to a business industry. And I thought, wow, uh, these guys have really made a move. What did you think of that? Well, first and foremost, I, I, I will say that sitting across from, uh, you know, the 55th president of Mexico, Vicente Fox at his presidential library and childhood home was one of those moments where I kind of said, you know, I'm from Sussex, New Brunswick. How the <laughs> fuck did I get here? Right. Like it was just, it, it was, it, it was like, I, I'm a long way from home. And I, you know, one of these guys going to figure this out. But, I was wondering you know, the I'm same thing, by the Sussex. way. <laughs> 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 How the fuck did he pull this so off? So true. Yeah. I know. Uh, but I, I, I tell you, uh, he was very generous with his time. Uh, uh, he is somebody who is really, really, uh, leaning into this for a couple of reasons. He sees it as an economic development tool, uh, for the country, but you know, there, there, there's a bigger issue in Mexico and it's the crime and the violence that's coming with, uh, the movement of, uh, uh, of cannabis. So look, from a Mexican perspective, it makes eminent, uh, sense, uh, 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 you know, Cannabis really emigrated up into the United States uh, through uh, Mexico, so you can you could honestly say that it's the ancestral home of cannabis culture in uh, North America. And for them to actually harness it for uh, for good, as opposed to it now being harnessed uh, uh, for crime and uh, and and well, as they say, bad hombres. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be a monumental uh, shift in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You said something to me. Yeah. Um, you said something to me the other day that I thought was interesting, particularly given that in the marketing sense, you know, I think it's been pr- pretty much ruled out that, you know, there's no spokespeople, there's no celebrity endorsements, there's none of that. But you made a comment that yeah. there are no role models in the cannabis industry. Yeah, I talk about it regularly. Um, and, and that's part of, you know, the uh, uh, why we're, you know, we, we encourage people 
who who enjoy cannabis and who can safely, uh, you know, declare as cannabis consumers to 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 come out of that cannabis closet um, as as early as they as they can. Look, it's 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 my opinion that there's a place for cannabis in society, uh, and it will assume that responsible place. But as we do it, people need to see themselves. And for generations, people have only seen, you know, Cheech and Chong as role models of uh, uh, cannabis consumers or Snoop, uh, uh, you know. And, and uh, by the way, I love both. I love all those uh, uh, those icons, yeah. but they're not exactly role models for everybody. Right. So, you, you know, you need people like, you know, Bill Murr who has been responsible and talked about it for uh, a number of years. We need more people coming out of the cannabis closet so that people who are curious can see themselves mm-hmm. and understand that, it, it, you know, there are people from all walks of life because there are people from all walks of life enjoying cannabis. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just not, you know, you know, people, uh, as we call the Chicha Chong, the stoner crowd kind of classic cannabis consumers. And that's, that's what people think it is. And that's not it. That's just one subculture within a larger culture. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm speeding up the questions here because we're, we're going to try and wrap this up shortly, but I got a couple more. I want to, I want to uh, throw at you. Um, I'll, I'll go all day. If you want, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd like to too. Um, uh, the first thing I wanted to touch on was um, you have been in California for some time, and you obviously were there when they introduced legal rec uh, marijuana earlier this year. So what yeah. have you witnessed, if anything, um, in, in, in terms of it changing? Well, it's funny. Uh, you know, I started spending time there in 2012. We moved our family there in 2014. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, we, it was when we first started spending time there that we really noticed, uh, uh, the, 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 the prominence of cannabis culture, uh, as compared to, to here, like what I used to say, is, what I say is you used to be able to smell cannabis from time to time yeah. in, uh, California. So that first week I was there, you could smell it when you're on Venice beach or if you were driving through Marina del Rey, you might, you might smell it you know, every little bit. And <laughs> since January 1st, I joke and I say, it, it used to be what California, you used to smell it now and then. Now it's what California smells like. Oh boy. <laughs> it is much more prominent. Yeah. And so, so uh, I, I tell you what, uh, that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But uh, uh, what you do see is people uh, uh, talking about uh, cannabis much more openly, yeah. enjoying it much more uh, openly. Um, so yeah, do you smell somebody smoking joint, a joint, uh, a little bit more? You do, but you know, the reality is, is that the, the, the joint and burning cannabis is, is, as I said, about to become, uh, uh, almost an obsolete delivery, uh, yeah. mechanism because people don't like combustion and they don't like putting smoke in their uh, lungs. There will always be people who like joints and there will always be people who maybe on Friday and Saturday will like joints, but it's not going to become the main delivery method for this. So uh, a, a lot of it, you, you, know, you can't smell it. You don't know when it's uh, going on, but what's happening is people are talking about it. People are hosting events. People are hosting dinner parties. Mm. Uh, uh, people are hosting like Tupperware parties for their friends who are curious about this. The whole, the whole tone and tenor of it has changed. Uh, and in California, you know, it's still federally illegal, right. but uh, uh, Prop 64 uh, uh, allows for branded products. 
So the branders are starting to get a hold of products yeah. in uh, California, as, as well as Washington and uh, Oregon and the other legal states. And they're coming up with some pretty great stuff. So um, it's, it's really evolving uh, uh, beyond where it is uh, 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 here. Uh, I think the regs in Canada will eventually loosen up and become uh, uh, um, similar to those that, that governor that govern, govern beer, wine and spirits. I, yeah. I certainly hope so because now the framework is, uh, uh, are like cigarettes and I think cannabis and cigarettes, you know, have very little, uh, in, in, in common other than the, the, the delivery method for the, for, for the product. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's been remarkably, it's become remarkably open in California and it, what it is doing too, it, it's starting to attract those role models and celebrities who, who are role, role models, rightly or wrongly, yeah. are now talking about it and becoming more involved. I mean, we saw it, was it today that Gwyneth Paltrow uh, announced that her goop line is going into cannabis. So oh, there, there is going to be, there are going to be a lot. Yeah. She's, she's making a move. Um, uh, so there's going to, there's going to be, it, it's going to evolve a lot uh, more, but it's, it's simply the prevalence of it. And I will say this: the other thing that that that, that it, the other implication of cannabis is that it's changing uh, bar and restaurant culture. Yeah. Consider this: you know, now I'll go out. I went out on Friday, Saturday night, uh, with a couple of friends, and uh, where they were sipping on beers or vodka sodas all night long. Uh, I was I was drinking free club sodas with lime. So now we've got an entire uh, hospitality restaurant and bar industry out there, which is going to have to increasingly deal with people like me who want to go out and want to be social and want to be around people. But you're giving me, you know, instead of charging me five bucks for every, or 10 bucks for every drink, you're now giving me a free club soda with a line. Like, right. so th there's economic models that are going to be changed here uh, as well. And I think, you know, the thin edge of the edge is going to be, uh, bar and restaurant culture has really got to be impacted in sales over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think that uh, you know I know that product's not regulated in California, so it's certainly different there. Branding is one of the big differences, and it will be regulated here. So somewhere in the middle, you know, is probably the sweet spot, I would think. And I don't know how many years it's going to take us to get there, but I, I'm sure that we will. A couple of couple of quick questions, yeah. quick answers. I'm going to throw them at you, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, what's the sure. worst thing? you think can happen with legalization? Uh, if the education piece is um, uh, not uh, done well by uh, uh, government, private sector, and uh, the media, it is, it, 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 I don't think it could fail, but it will delay acceptance. And I think right. that is uh, a minor tragedy. Hmm. What do you think of legalization in general? Uh, look, I'm I, I'm all about it. it to, to me, you know, I, I remember being in uh, university, going, "Man, can you imagine someday?" I actually never thought it would happen in my lifetime. The, the, the attitudes were so deep seated uh, twenty twenty five uh, years ago. Yeah. Um. So uh, uh, overall, I like uh, I, I like regulation. I do like keeping it out of the hands of uh, young people and doing everything we can. You know, I'm a father of teenage boys. Uh, I have a zero tolerance policy for uh, cannabis uh, with them. They know what I think, and they know that until they're 19, 
I don't want their hands uh, anywhere near it. And if I could control them until they were 25, I wouldn't. And I know I made those mistakes when I was younger, but I, I, I really and truly uh, believe that. So, uh, uh, and then with, with regulation, the other thing I really like is the fact that people are actually talking about it as adults yeah. now and uh, really having frank conversations about realities instead of misinformation and stigma. So I was going to make my last question about kids <clears throat> and yours, and you, you've you've uh, preempted it. And now I now I feel like if I open this can yeah. of worms, we're going to talk for a while. But I want to make sure I heard you right. Uh, you said teenage kids who you have a zero tolerance policy with, and I'm just quickly curious about this. They obviously know what you do. How does how do you mm, manage yeah. that? Well. Um, uh, you know, by being open and frank, we, we have yeah. with our kids from uh, day one. Uh, you know, I don't want my kids drinking at this age either. I think drinking is, 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 you know, uh, uh, is, is a tough one for kids in uh, high school. So we talk about these things uh, yeah. all the time. Um, you know, I, I have a zero tolerance policy with my kids because I, I do like do, to be honest, do I really want them not to try cannabis? Yeah, I'm not too worried if my kids come home once or twice in uh, high school. Um, what I'm trying to, to, to communicate to them is that, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hedging so that they don't become uh, addicted to cannabis or really lean into cannabis at this age because yeah. that, that, that can be a real trouble. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I don't know what kind of personality they have. I don't know what their chemistry is like. I don't know what their, their physiology is like. And, and they may be on that they may be at risk for that and I'm trying to avoid that and, and you know, I'll do everything in my power to avoid that. Yeah. I, look, I think, uh, that was sort of yeah. honest and frank conversations, you know, you can't go wrong. I think it was my, my dad said it to me once, you know, you can never go wrong with honesty. And I, I, I do believe that that's the best policy. So well done. Derek, look, we're going to wrap it up. I agree. Um, yep. I, I, you know, it's a business you talk about that has no role models. And I, uh, I think that you are very quickly becoming one of them. So, uh, congrats to you for that. And, uh, and everything that you've done since uh, turning a leaf on your business and starting where you have with the, the cannabis <laughs> industry. So well done. I didn't even mean that. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it, it totally worked. worked. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Derek. You, I appreciate you, you, your time. You're, just, you're that creative. You're doing it when you're not even trying. Not even trying. <laughs> okay, thanks, buddy. We'll <laughs> and, chat soon. And look, look, I love what you're doing, too. Keep it up. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Derek. So that was Derek Reedley, a fascinating conversation, as he suggested, and I definitely agree. I'm sure we could have talked for hours, especially when we opened the can of worms about the kids at the end, but uh, perhaps we'll save it for another episode. Obviously, a couple of things that Derek pointed out that, that really did stick with me. I loved this idea of an elevated cannabis culture, and I think, look... We've talked about this a couple of times now on the show, this notion of uh, getting to a place of acceptance and this idea that whether we like it or not, this is now happening. And I still think the best thing that we can do is learn as much about it as possible. But when you have people out there who are trying to shake off, I think the, the stigma that we have all probably agreed with or, or fallen into at some time or another um, – it can't be a bad thing. And, and uh, you know, if this, if cannabis ever gets to a place where it's as socially acceptable and used intentionally as, say, wine, uh, then perhaps we're having very different conversations. I'm still a little bit freaked out by this idea of workouts after using, and, and it, Derek isn't the first person to bring that up and, and have some evidence of that being a good thing. I'm sure there's a bunch of scientific reasons why it's a good thing. I'm struggling to get my head wrapped around that, but so be it. If, if it works for him and those who have tried that, 
far be it for me to to judge them. You know, interesting this this idea of how things are happening in California and the impact that it's having socially. You know, he, Derek talks about the idea that you know you can brand there and all the ways that you can use, and people are now opening up their business lines to include cannabis. Some of that's happening here. And I think my prediction might be that Canada will move closer to what the U.S. is doing, and maybe the U.S. will start moving closer to what Canada is doing. I still have a feeling that the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle, and I guess that only remains to be seen. And finally, boy, I can't imagine the conversations that Derek must have to have with kids who he is you know, has zero tolerance with, yet they're very aware of his use and what he does for a living. However, tremendous kudos to him for um, this notion of honest and frank conversations. And we've talked about this before as well. You got to talk. You got to talk openly and honestly about this stuff. And it's the safest way, I think, to deal with this this idea of acceptance and what's really happening, because it isn't gonna, it isn't going to go away for a while. Um, as, as a lot of people have said to me uh, since we started this thing, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So <laughs> we're going into it straight on and uh, and we'll see what happens. So thanks again to uh, to Derek. You're listening to Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network. And I'm your host, Sean King, and thanks for listening once again. Bye-bye. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 